You're listening to Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. Here's what's coming up in today's edition. They didn't live in a culture that had free speech. There was no guarantee of free speech. No, no, no. So when Peter exhorts the church to live in submission to authority and to take ill treatment with patience, the only other choice they had was either to rebel and die or go to jail. They didn't have a free speech. Ours is under attack right now in big ways. When the world's burdens are too much, how do you respond? When you feel lost in who you are, how do you set yourself free? Today, Pastor Jeff encourages you to break free from the weight of the world's sorrows and welcome in God's grace. His grace will always serve to heal you, offering redemption in the face of life's struggles. Despite the hardships that surround you, God's grace stands as an unwavering source of comfort and renewal. Release the world's grip by allowing God's grace to envelop you. Well, let's join Pastor Jeff in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 as he begins his message, Your Submission. We're going to look at letters that burn, 1 Peter 3. Now, now, submission is a loaded word, especially in our day of uh, lawlessness. And because that word has been attacked, twisted, um, misunderstood, I, I want to just pause and talk about it. We talked last time about submission to authority. Because how many of you ever realized that the, the world is made up of authority? Everywhere you turn, there's authority, Amen. right? How many parents in here, right? You're authority in your home. And your kids should know it, right? You go to work, you, you deal with a boss, that's authority. You're racing down the highway, breaking the speed limit, you get pulled over by authority, okay? So much of life is learning how to respond to authority. That's what the home is supposed to teach the children, how to respond to authority. Because if they don't learn it at home, let me tell you how it goes. If they don't learn it at home, they'll learn it at school. If they don't learn it at school, they'll learn it from the law. And if they don't learn it from the law, they'll learn it in prison. Now that's rough, but that's true. Everybody needs to know how to respond to authority, how God sees authority. I wanna reiterate a couple of things I said last time. When the Bible says we're to submit to authority, it's not saying that we cannot uh, redress wrongs. It's not saying that we shouldn't seek reform. Okay? Now, here's what we've got to realize. Uh, Peter and the apostles lived in a totalitarian culture where you didn't have a choice for who ruled over you. Um, wasn't a democratic system. Whoever ended up as, as the Caesar, that's who you got. And almost without fail, they were terrible. Okay, Peter's writing, as you know, if you've been with me from the start of this series, he's writing under Nero, one of the worst Caesars to ever take that position, who ended up taking his own life when he was 32 years old. Doesn't surprise me, because everything that he did to other people caught up with him in his own mind. They didn't live in a culture that had free speech. There was no guarantee of free speech. No, no, no. So when Peter exhorts the church to live in submission to authority, 
and to take ill treatment with patience. The only other choice they had was either to rebel and die or go to jail. They didn't have a free speech. Ours is under attack right now in big ways. I could talk about the universities now, how they are infested with students that will not, will not tolerate a speaker brought on campus that is going to bring a message, a talk, a lecture, contrary to what they believe. They will vandalize the school. They will shout them down. They will threaten their lives, the speaker's lives. Seriously, it happens all the time. It happened this week. In a major university in America, a former uh, judge went to speak. And they so shouted him down, yelled at him, obscenities, screaming at him, that he finally had to just walk away under armed guard for protection. No respect for authority. We're in a lawless culture. And I shudder to think, those same students, this was a law school Those same students are going to one day be politicians, lawyers, uh, judges. God help us all. Because to me, if you're confident in your position, you can listen to another position and have a good, honest debate about it and not scream and shout them down. That's what cowards do. And I hope they hear this broadcast. So we, we live under a governmental system that does allow reform, okay? Uh, you can address wrongs that are committed. It's how you address them that matters the most. Uh, you can do it right by moving through the legal system or by voting in the right people, voting out the wrong people, or seek some other peaceful way to do it. You, you can hope for change that way. And of course, we Christians, we can always and evermore pray. Or we can do it wrong. Riots, involving yourself in property damage, threats, insurrection, or other unlawful means to bring about change, that's not going to fly. God can't bless that. These, those kinds of tactics move you out of the bounds of God's will. It's not God's will to do that way. And it moves you into Satan's territory. Because listen, here's the deal. Satan is the author of lawlessness because he's the ultimate lawless one. Okay? The Bible is crystal clear about lawlessness. Um, and if you're going to break a law, be sure that the law you're breaking is a law that is forcing you to go against your Christian conscience. Then you practice civil disobedience. Say, I, I'm sorry. Like Peter said to the Sanhedrin, the legal authorities of his day, he said, we must obey God rather than men. Authority figures, police, for instance. Johnny wouldn't let it happen, but in case they did. Uh, and said, you can't preach in Jesus' name anymore. I would have to say, sorry, I'm going to have to disobey. And hopefully, by God's grace, that's what I would say. And I would say, see you Sunday. I'll be preaching Jesus this Sunday. Amen. Okay? But here's the deal. 
That's civil disobedience because that's a law telling me to break God's law and God's command. I can't do that. But that's the only time that I should stand against a law and refuse to obey it. If I had a boss who was requiring me to do something illegal or immoral, I would have to say no. If I lose my job, I lose my job. But I cannot, I will not sacrifice my Christian conscience or my faith in God to obey you, okay? Paul said, don't be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness and lawlessness? Lawlessness. Paul even calls the coming Antichrist the lawless one. He's the lawless one. Antichristos, the lawless one. Uh, So I hope that clears up a little bit because there's always a little bit more that might need to be explained when you're dealing with something like submission. But we're not done with submission yet. Hallelujah. Because Peter continues in chapter three, right out of the chute, verse one, submission at home. Verse one, wives. Every wife in here say amen. Amen. And then say, here it comes. But like I said, hang on because I'm getting to hubby right after you. All right. But what does it say? Likewise, be submissive to your own husbands. Now, I like to add right here, because husbands love that verse. Okay? But here's the deal. I like to add this. Paul also taught husbands to be submitted to wives. Submission is both ways. And if you've been married more than a week, you know that's right. You with me? All right. Um, Now, this passage runs completely entirely against the attitude of our generation and our culture, where feminism has ruined women's lives. The whole doctrine and teaching of feminism has destroyed women, dating, marriage, and men. Now, I'm not talking about getting equal pay for an equal job. That's not what I'm talking about. Stop and ask this question a minute. Is the, inspi- is the Bible the inspired word of God? Yes. Is it? Yes. So that every word in it, in the original manuscripts, was breathed out by God. Yes. So if it's God's word to mankind, God must know what is best for the wife and best for the husband. He's not out to ruin our party, ruin our fun, make life miserable. He only acts out of love. A God who is literally love cannot do anything but what it flows out of love. No way. So the very first objection typically raised regarding submission is this one. But what if they're not worthy of my respect and submission? How can I submit to a man that hasn't earned it? Who may even be utterly unworthy of honor, who doesn't even walk with or know God who leaves his dirty clothes everywhere and and junk in the sink and who is not what I thought I was marrying. Hey, you never marry who you thought you were marrying. There's always surprises. But it can be done. He said, I want you wives to listen uh, to this. Be submissive to your own husbands. Now I'm gonna give you the key to submission on anyone's part, a man's part, a woman's part, towards a boss, towards 
the law towards anyone. Here it is. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance. Where does our reward come from? The Lord. For you serve who, everybody? The Lord Christ. Now we read that and we go, well, that's only talking about my personal relationship with Christ and I serve him each and every day in my own heart and life. But, but Paul here in Colossians is breaking it down into also how we respond to authority. Okay, so we do it as unto the Lord and not unto men. As unto the Lord, not unto men. Could you submit to the Lord if he was there? If Jesus was right here, could you submit to Jesus? I, I could submit to Jesus. I'd love to see Jesus in person and bow down and submit to Jesus. Okay, but here's the deal. If you can, that's the first step in successful submission because when you understand authority, you understand that authority is delegated, okay? An authority figure, a top authority figure, delegates to those under him slices and parts of his authority, okay? So your boss, he's the boss of the organization or wherever you work, all right? And he will delegate that authority unless it's a little tiny operation, but if it's larger, he delegates his authority to others who act uh, on his behalf, who are representatives of him. And they go out and they bring his authority. When, when, when an officer, for instance, if he were to pull you over for whatever reason, he's not acting in his own authority. He doesn't have any authority in and of himself. He's acting on behalf of those who have delegated that to him. The city of Fort Worth, the nation of America, and ultimately, listen, God gave him authority to restrain evil. I say, well, what about when they do wrong? Yes, they do wrong, but that doesn't take away what God did. Okay, so we respond to authority by recognizing delegated authority. See, what, what I marvel at by the day is how our nation has become totally blinded to this. We will scream and yell and threaten authority figures totally failing to see who they are as the representative of who they represent. We don't recognize their authority, their delegated authority. Peter's words here are about an attitude of trust in God while you practice submission. Um, now, I got to add this as well. When I'm talking to a, a wife in a marriage, if the husband is abusive, I'm talking about you're in fear of your life. You're in danger. You've been physically abused. Do you know that Nicole Brown Simpson was counseled to go submit and stay in a situation where she was being abused? I would never tell a woman to go back into a situation where her life was in danger. No, uh-uh. And die for what? No. Again, I got a footnote, these talks about submission with 
things like that. Because I've dealt with real life, pastoring as long as I have. I've sent women to shelters to save their life. And I'll, I'll do it till I go to heaven because no way she's supposed to submit to that. Right? Can I have a better amen than that? I mean, we're not, we're Christian, but we're not stupid. Now, Peter is going to tell you how to reach your man when your man is not where he ought to be spiritually. Okay? Um, he says that even if some do not obey the word. So who's he talking about? Lost husbands? Backslidden husbands? Disobedient? Carnal husbands? That's what he's talking about. That even if some do not obey the word, they, notice this, without a word, Without a word, maybe one by the conduct, by the what? The conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, and that means respect. Now notice, Peter says, you're not preaching at him. He says, without a word. He says, I'm not telling you to go preach at him or nag, or complain. You want to win him? Let him observe your chaste conduct because your conduct will point upward. Jesus said, let your good works so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. So there's something about when a woman walks with God in front of a man who's not anywhere spiritually where he ought to be. This is what he's counseling. Peter says it's, it's, it, you can reach him without a word. The weapon that works is a double-edged sword of chaste conduct coupled with the fear of God. For the unsaved husband, the best advertisement for the truth and wonder of Christianity is a wife who daily models the Christ life. According to Peter, that's one way to get a new husband. Now, again, I got to talk real because I've been around too long. I know that sometimes when you act like Christ, you go to church and you put on Jesus, that man can persecute you, needle you for it, make fun of you for it, and make life difficult for you. I'm not living in a bubble here. I've just got to teach what Scripture is saying, that your first default uh, uh, method of reaching him is this one. And just see how it goes. See what God does. For the unsaved husband, there's something about a godly wife that begins to talk to him, especially if she's not preaching, nagging, or complaining. Now, I'm just reading the word here. Don't get mad at me. I'm just reading the word. Now, Peter's not done with the women, but I'm going to get to the men, so hang on. But next he's going to deal with how she dresses. Now, hang on. I am not like you might be thinking I am. Because look what he says. Don't let your adornment be merely outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel, shopping at needless markup. I mean, Neiman Marcus. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty. Notice how he describes a woman of God the incorruptible beauty 
of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, these passages have been taken way out of context, way out of context, where poor women in certain denominations are told, you can't wear pants, you can't wear makeup, you, you shouldn't have jewelry on. I remember one time I was at a conference. I'm going to be real honest with you tonight. I was at a conference, and I got seated at this long table, and right across from me was a row of these women who were in this kind of church. They had on no makeup, dresses, hair in, in a bun. I'm not saying nothing wrong with the hair in a bun, but they all had their hair in a bun. And they looked so miserable. And they're staring at me. <laughs> they're in dresses. So no jewelry, no makeup, hair in a bun. They have been told, they have had this verse twisted to them where if you're godly, this is the way you will look. And you won't wear that jewelry or, or those pants or any of that other stuff. But they were looking at me like I was, I don't know what I did or didn't do, but they didn't like, I don't know that they liked any men. But they're looking at me this way. And I thought one thing to myself, I'll bet they're fun at home too. because they weren't allowed to be feminine. I, I don't know about you. Guys, I love being a man. Come on, man. I love, hoo, 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 I love it. I love being a man. I, I totally embrace my gender. Amen. And women, how many of you can say, I love being a woman? Come on. Then you ought to be willing and able to be feminine. That, that's not what he's teaching at all. The word merely changes all that. He said, not merely with jewelry and fancy clothes. Not merely, not ever, but not merely, not only. Yeah. Don't let your adornment be merely outward, not just your appearance, but who you are on the inside. Because there's, there's women with a million dollar smile, but a 50 cent character. <laughs> and so with the men. They, they can charm you and wow you, but and million dollar smile, but there's 50 cents worth of character. Peter is saying, God puts the premium on character. Godly character. Gentle and quiet spirit is from the Greek words, meaning divinely inspired inner calmness. Amen. Divinely inspired inner calmness. This woman has peace with God. Her worries and cares have been cast upon the Lord. She's at peace. She brings tranquility into the room. She has a gentle and a quiet spirit. Peter is saying clothes and jewelry can be bought, but divinely inspired inner calmness and tranquility are priceless. Now, Peter says, let me point to the, some of the holy women of old. In this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands as Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham. She respected him. Uh, now, some of you men, you love the King James Version. It says she called him Lord. But I hate to pop your bubble. What that really means is she respected him as the head of the house. In today's message from Pastor Jeff, 
He illustrated the fruit that'll grow in your life when you avoid the whims of the world. View God's authority as a source of strength instead of a means of holding you back. Liberate yourself from the world's pain by aligning with God's divine authority. As you navigate life's issues, let God's authority be a source of upliftment, guiding you toward a path of purpose and fulfillment. Embrace God's authority and be saved. Hi everybody, this is Pastor Jeff Whitquire from Hardwired, and I've got something really special to share with you. For a gift of $20 or more, we're gonna send you a beautiful Hardwired pen and a bright LED flashlight with an attached keychain. It's blue in color and bordered in copper, and it's very pretty. It's our gift to you for supporting Hardwired. The set also contains a built-in stylus for your touchscreen devices. So to claim your gift set, visit our website at hardwired.org and just donate $20 or more. Click the Donate Now button in the top right corner. And thanks so much for being a part of the Hardwired family. And I assure you, every dollar that comes in is going to go straight to reaching the world with the Word of God. Have a blessed week. In his next message, Pastor Jeff wants you to know that you need to grow closer to God by fully submitting to His will. Even if you're humble and don't feel a need to boast, ignoring God's purpose will always serve to hurt you. Experience the fresh renewal and intimate connection that comes with fully trusting in God's plan. Submit to His infinite wisdom and never look back. Embrace God's Word and experience rapid growth in your faith journey. That's all we have for today's edition of Hardwired with Jeff Wickwire. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you can download it from our website, hardwired.org. Be sure to tune in again as Pastor Jeff continues teaching through the book of 1 Peter next time on Hardwired.